Inspiration is everywhere. We can find it in our books, our movies, our games, and even just the world around us. With the creative kindling laid and a random prompt to provide the spark, anything and everything will emerge from the flames. Join us around the fire as we breathe life into these embers of creation. Here, we'll discuss, joke, and forge new stories in the hopes that you find entertainment and inspiration along the way. So grab your hammer and tongs and man the bellows. This is World Forge Season 2. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the World Forge Workshop. Hey, here. welcome back. Wow. <laughs> yeah, don't mind the mess. We're still tidying up. It's, yes. Uh... <laughs> uh, why'd you have to point out the mess? I don't know. No, you sorry. always point out the mess, yeah, so I figured it was my turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we are we are sitting in. Uh, well, we've talked about this on air a couple of times. We've been redoing our kitchen, and pretty much the rest of our house is reassembled, except for my office slash <laughs> our recording studio. So, like. I'm sitting in here in full view of our microwave and all of the furniture that we don't have room to put back in. <laughs> yet. Um, Sam, it's just sound yeah. dampening equipment. Yes, exactly. That's what it does. It minimizes the echo. That's a really good point. So yeah, if this audio sounds a little bit a little bit better than uh, previous episodes, <laughs> be sure and let us know, and we'll just throw more garbage in this room. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> For me to, to, to just exist and surrounded by, to coexist with. Eventually, this yeah. uh, space is going to look like that junkyard at the end of Labyrinth, where all those old <laughs> ladies are walking around with the piles of stuff on their backs. Yes, absolutely. I, I cannot wait That'll for my office to be just a big old trash heap, um, <laughs> more so than it is. Uh, yeah, but um, no, we're, we're glad to be back here, Yeah, you guys. Um, we are... We're coming off of a pretty a, a pretty wild weekend, and I, th- I think actually just a couple weeks in general here. Um, mm-hmm. This weekend is sort of the culmination of a lot of... Uh, um, dreams come true? Yes, dreams <laughs> and expectations uh, for us. We we finally had a chance to see Hadestown. Yeah, we um, saw it. Oh, it was incredible. It was so um, good. And uh, not to be... Uh, not not to be outdone, uh, we also happened to go and see The Tallest Man on Earth last night. So we yeah. had two back-to-back shows. Uh, that, also an awesome were, performance. Yeah, both just like really, really fun. You know, the energy was really similar to me between these two different shows because yeah. there were both individuals in both productions who were just like running around the stage <laughs> and like singing in gravelly voices. So yeah. uh, I think um, Tallest Man and Persephone have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, there was this really interesting sort of it it felt like kind of a catharsis, right? Where mm-hmm. it's been so long since we've been able to kind of have these experiences where we're in places like this and seeing performances and seeing people sort of put this like energy out into the world like that. I yeah. think it's really cool to be back there. And I really got the impression that everyone involved in both of these like really felt the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, t- tallest man talked about how he's like, I spent two years not touring and I just, I'm not good at not touring. I want to be here <laughs> doing this for, for you guys. And, um, yeah, walking around all hunched over on your yeah. tippy toes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was a really, it was a really, really wonderful weekend. And also I, I feel kind of a creatively refreshing and inspiring couple of, couple of nights here. Um, yeah. so I was thinking about, how we wanted to come back and and record an episode and what kind of a topic we could do. And I wanted to sort of give us an opportunity to talk about 
the cool stuff that we did this weekend and Mm -hmm. how maybe these experiences could sort of inform what, uh, what we talk about here. And I actually, it occurred to me that, um, so Hades town was written, uh, originally as a concept album by a woman named Aeneas Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, who happens to know, uh, Christian Matson, the, the singer of the tallest man on earth. Um, and, and I've seen a couple of live streams and videos and things where he's talked about how he's just, you know, he, he has a lot of admiration for her as an artist. And I think they've worked together on a few projects here and there. And I thought, well, what a neat sort of marriage of two, things that we really, really love. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, why don't we try and do something kind of inspired by that for, mm-hmm. for world forge. So what we are going to do is Piper and I each have picked a, a character, uh, from some property that mm-hmm. we both really, really love. Uh, we are going to also pick a character for each other. Mm-hmm. That is sort of a mystery wild card prompt. Mm-hmm. And then we will be combining elements from both of those characters into something new yeah um so we we both know what the first character that we picked was the baseline character mm-hmm. uh and then we each chose a mystery one for each other to kind of yeah yeah uh, uh like i said add in that kind of wild card element so to make a beautiful yeah. hybrid it's like we've gotten to the point in the show <laughs> where uh i think a lot of uh 90s and like early 2000s cartoons got to at some point where they kind of are out of creative ideas they're like let's just mash some things together and we're like well you've heard of uh these two things but what about this hybrid thing that's totally brand new and everyone's like woo exciting like yeah don't forget to buy the lunch boxes yeah exactly we're we're going through all those like tropes of uh yeah, I, 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 <laughs> That's I'm not to say that excited. it's not a good idea. I no. do love this. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I just wanted to throw in some 90s references. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, and I, you know, I think also just because we've been kind of coming off of this high of Hades Town and of, of this Tall's Man concert, like I'm sure that some inspiration from that is going to bleed in here. Oh, probably. Um, you know, and I would even say unintentionally, like I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> say, I'm going to steal from that, those those two things. It's rare that a day goes by that I don't think of or steal from Hades Town. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. How long until the next time we steal from Hades Town? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and jump right on in okay. to our, our creation here. Piper, do you want to reveal your base character first and go first or should I? Sure, I can go first. Okay. All right. Um since you did such a great job with that opening. Yeah, um, thank you. You know, I've been practicing. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh so it should be no surprise to longtime listeners of the podcast that uh if I'm picking a uh subject matter that I'm very passionate about and have probably talked about on air a lot, I decided to go with one of my favorite stories uh, Peter Pan. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's just so magical and inspiring and lovely and creative and bizarre. And that <laughs> is all the kind of fodder that I want to use for creating something new. Uh, so specifically, because we said we were going to use characters, I will be using the title character himself, uh-huh. Peter Pan, um, who is the irrepressible spirit of youth, <laughs> uh, a baby uh, who decided to run away from home when he heard his parents talking about what he would be when he grew up. Uh, ran away to Kensington Gardens, uh, where a fairy found him. And once he was big enough to fly, Tinkerbell took him off to Neverland, where he loved the island so much, it kind of adapted around him and kind of became sort of like a mirror to his personality, Yeah, which is something I've always thought is really interesting, is that if Peter is happy and playful, the island kind of <laughs> mimics that. And if he's in a weird mood, the animals are more savage and deadly. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm really wishing now that the, the, <laughs> I'm really, I'm having so many other ideas of like, 
other prompt characters I could have given you. I really like the one that I chose, but I wish I had <laughs> chosen like you saying that that the island sort of responds to his his. Oh my whims. god, something from Lost. Well, <laughs> oh no, so that would have been a great like, one. In comes Benjamin Linus. <laughs> yeah. like, oh Jesus. No, I'm thinking of how at, at the beginning of The Departed, how Jack Nicholson has his monologue oh, at the beginning, no. and he's like, "I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me." Damn. <laughs> My I really, God. I should have, I, I wish I had had that uh, spark there because I think Jack Nicholson, Peter <laughs> for, Pan would have been incredible. I was going to say, they just become like a horrible <laughs> turf war for the island of Neverland. It don't, well, which it already is. Yes, it is. It's basically true. how that goes. So, um, exactly. Yeah, just imagine the departed, except Smee is in disguise as a lost boy trying to find the pirate that's in disguise. Oh <laughs> the my lost man's in disguise as a gosh, pirate. Gosh, <laughs> I like it. I like it a whole lot. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about today. No. no. Um, I mean, most people are familiar <laughs> with Peter Pan as a character from like the Disney movie which is the animated one bleh not yeah. a great reference if you want to know Peter Pan read the book uh, yeah. way better I also strongly recommend you check out Finding Neverland um, or the 2003 movie uh, both amazing adaptations of yeah. this classic story um, but yeah just a couple other details I think to throw out there to like kind of establish what I want to like pull from when kind of making my Peter Pan inspired character um, I love this idea that Peter as a individual because he is essentially the embodiment of youth. I think he yeah. started as like a mortal kid and then kind of became this fantastical thing. And he, he was just as killable as any other kid. He's <laughs> so mortal. Well, he's a baby who <laughs> fell out of a pram. He should yeah. have died instantly. Actually, that sounds like a pretty unkillable kid, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's, yeah, kind of a little demigod. <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. went off and be like, became this awesome legend. <laughs> um, but one thing I think is so interesting about him is that he is like so in the moment constantly he forgets everything almost as soon as they happen yeah which is something that's really interesting that's explored in the book and the play is this idea that after he takes wendy and her brothers to neverland with him he there's a moment when they're traveling there and he forgets who they are and he looks at them who are like kind of just following behind him he's like who are you why are you following me and they're like dude you just took us from our house and promised to show us cool shit and he's like oh i know some cool shit come with me <laughs> and i think that's so interesting it makes me think too of I don't know, kind of like nymphs and fairies and like fawns and things that are like, oh, like whatever happened a second ago doesn't matter because something is happening yeah. right now. Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting uh, kind of perception of life. Um, so I love that about him. And I think that's the thing I want to try and tap into in my creation. I agree. And, and I think, you know, talking about uh, types of characters that are really interesting to role play mm -hmm. in like a D&D &D game, it is kind of fun to have that sort of um, everything is shiny and like, you know, interesting to me. And I'm just, I can't focus on one thing for long. Like, I think that's kind of a cool, that sort of chaotic energy yeah. a, a little bit can be kind of fun. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think one of the last things I'll say before you give me my, my new prompt <laughs> to build on is kind of along those lines of his, his impulsiveness and his living in the moment. I think because of that too, he also does not think about the future. There is no consequences to his actions and there's no uh, danger of what lies ahead. Cause I think he thinks he's so, uh, um, impervious to yeah. harm. He, he has that like confidence of youth. Exactly. Sort of, that, yeah. And yeah. it's, I think some of the most beautiful lines that can really, I could, <laughs> I would honestly love to do a whole like video essay thing about this, but when he's fighting Captain Hook, it's a pretty famous line he says where he's like, he's like, to die will be an awfully big adventure. Yes, like exactly. that is just the next fun thing that will happen for him to find out what happens <laughs> next. And I just, I'm like, dude, you are fearless. I want to embody that, that passion and that spark. It's, it's, it's cool. really, really cool. And okay. So I'm really glad that, um, that you touch on this sort of, um, 
he doesn't care about the consequences of his actions and mm-hmm. he sort of just is living in the moment because um, I think a, <laughs> the, the character that I have for you that I'm going to combine, uh, that I'm going to force you to combine uh, <laughs> elements of is a character that I feel, I, I feel there is a bit of that to this character. I feel this is a character that sort of um, is is a, maybe not a planner, but it's a character that, that sort of has a code, but they do see themselves, I think, in some ways as sort of like in, invulnerable because of this code that they live by. Yeah. Um, so the character that I have for you is Anton Chigurh, uh, <laughs> oh our favorite God. from No Country for Old Men. Uh, <laughs> A serial killer psychopath. <laughs> I, but I think kind of interestingly combines with this character because, yeah, like the, you know, the whole thing is that they, Chigurh sort of has this like worldview that everything he does is informed by and like mm-hmm. i don't like i said i don't think that he's necessarily like a person who is machiavellian and plans out everything i think he does kind of live in the moment a little bit yeah. and as long as he is acting according to this philosophy this this code that mm-hmm. he lives by then you know everything's okay that's yeah. like sort of his like moral justification for everything and mm-hmm. i think that's a really interesting thing to combine with a with a peter pan totally type character <laughs> so sam do you want to since i've given this kind of like uh, like mini analysis yeah. of the elements that i like about peter as a character yeah do you want to give a little bit more about anton and things that you would yeah. like to see me tap into sure so okay so anyone who listens to this podcast or has you know even uh just dip their toes and you've probably heard us talk about uh one of our favorite films no country for old men mm-hmm. uh and the main antagonist of that film anton Chigurh. Um, who is this, uh, <laughs> he's this like, he's this like kind of, he's like a hitman, like a hired gun type guy. Who's just sort of this wild card. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like, you know, unleashing hell upon the world when you, when you hire him, you know, yeah. um, he doesn't really care about what anybody else wants. He just is sort of a, you know, he's just a tool and he wants to get the job done and he will do it in exactly the way that he wants. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care what kind of destruction he leaves in his wake because, you know, he's going to do things his way. Yeah. Uh, he has a terrible haircut. Yes. Uh, and a great monologue, a couple of great <laughs> monologues. Um, so, you know, I think that's something else that I would also want to kind of introduce into that is a terrible um, haircut. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah the terrible haircut. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the 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 Lost Boys probably don't have a barber on the island. They have to be nope. doing all their own haircuts. Maybe Tinkerbell's doing it. I guess. Yeah, maybe uh, could so, be a barber fairy. <laughs> yeah, a barber fairy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I think the I I think the idea that he has all of these rules that he lives by is one of the most interesting things to me. And in No Country for Old Men, they don't really like, you know, that he doesn't pull out a journal and has a list of like, all right, rule number one for yeah. life, you know, like, <laughs> but you really get the sense that like, no, he does things for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just random chaos. Whereas other, other people might see it as kind of like random chaos. Like he does all of this mm-hmm. because of very specific set of rules that he thinks will kind of protect him both physically and sort of morally. Yeah. Um, which I think is really neat. I would say that I think I interpret his understanding because like he, we see him a couple of times make a decision simply based on a, toin, a yeah. coin toss, yeah. which I think an outside person would say, well, that's complete chance. There's no control there. Yeah. But I think his personal delusion is because he, when he makes the speech about the coin where it's like, yeah. it's been traveling so many years to come here and now it's here and that's where it was meant to be. Yeah. So I think he believes in this idea of like predestined fate. He's like, if the coin says you die, then that was what was always meant exactly. to happen. I am simply an agent of that fate. The coin made the decision, not me. And that's, right. you know, in, in, 
you know, the end of the movie when Kelly McDonald is, is sitting down with him and she's sort of like the coin doesn't have any say over this. It's just you, you, you know, that's, that's all that it is. You're yeah. deluding yourself. It's yeah. like the coin got here the same way I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's so neat. The, yeah. These, um, yeah, I, I don't really see Peter Pan as someone that has these really <laughs> strong like convictions like this in this way. So I think that'll be neat to to combine. Also, if I mean, now I'm just picturing Javier Bardem dressed like Peter Pan also, oh which is very funny to me. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can't be... I'm also just kind of right there with like, if you had said Robin Williams dresses Peter Pan too, I would have been like, well, that's a bit weird, but they made it work in hooks. So. Fair enough, yeah. Both very interesting hair choices. Uh, Robin Williams uh, shaved his insane bare chest for Peter Pan, which <laughs> and his you arms see and, in and one his tummy scene is and everything. My yeah. God. The poor waxing salon who had to do that was like, Jesus, do we have enough glue tape stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he clogged the compactor again. They couldn't get rid of all <laughs> oh the hair in time. God. Yeah. Okay. So I have my two sources of inspiration here. I need to create a character that has both inspiration from Peter Pan and Anton Chigurh. <laughs> So I do like the idea. It's Peter Panton sugar. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the idea of creating this kind of uh, mythical like entity. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of. I like the idea that it has similar. This. I'll just say I'm making a, a guy. Um, similar origins to like kind of how Peter started as like a person. But then kind of became the embodiment of what he most believes in. Yeah. Okay. And so when I think of Anton Chigurh, I feel like he also kind of did something like that where he's like, I wouldn't even say, I almost wanted to say like, oh, well, he's like enacting the will of fate. That's kind of like his purpose that he embodied. But he is such a, he's all about, I don't know, like violence and just kind of doing what he wants. I mean, Peter is also very impulsive and does what he wants. Hmm. You know, I almost see Chigurh as almost like a Grim Reaper kind of character. You know, like he sees himself as, he thinks that he's enacting like something that goes along with this greater purpose almost. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm having it. So I, if I'm allowed to, which I think I am, cause there yeah. are literally no rules. There in are this no podcast. rules. No, unlike Anton Sugar, we do not live by rules in this podcast. I want to make uh, a pair of characters, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Because I feel like they both need to have kind of sides uh, that these two other characters sort of embody. And I'm also kind of now thinking of, uh, there's a really great book by Neil Gaiman called Good Omens, mm-hmm. which is also now an Amazon show and mm-hmm. the second season is coming out. I thought it was really good. You should check it out. But that there too has kind of a dynamic that I want to pull from where we have this friendship between this angel and this devil and they've always been buddies, but they both have these jobs that they have to do. And like throughout time, they've always come together and be like, hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> uh, and in Good Omens, they are both sent to like retrieve uh, the Antichrist after it's been born, but they grab the wrong baby and then they're years later they realize their mistake and they have to work together to solve it so and that baby was peter pan (laughs) so i want to kind of create two characters i think that are and maybe i'll pull also from kind of like greek ideas and like mythologies of the idea that maybe they're they're siblings but i like the way that like children of zeus are made in odd ways like sometimes he just like pulls somebody out of his forehead (laughs) yeah um and so i think the well, I think Athena hit him in the head with an axe or something. And oh, came yeah. Out of his Somebody hit him in the head with an axe and Athena came out or something like something, that. Something. I don't know. <laughs> but I think these two are, are the children. I think they're both like demigods, children of like some great god that came before. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think the one that it's going to be inspired by Anton, I think that one was like maybe the god at first was like, I want a companion and someone who will like help me do what I want 
what I need to be done. And I okay. think, so the character that's, that Anton will inspire, I think first the God like carved this person out of stone. Like cool. the God like walked up to a, a mountain and like started like breaking away at it. And when he finished and like, I think in a classic kind of cool old story format, you'd be like, oh, well he, he worked for like seven months. And when the job was done, then there was this individual. Maybe I'll call them Slate. That's this person's okay. name. I was thinking uh, it's Greek. So it should be Antonicus Shigur and Petrocles Pan. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Slate, <laughs> Slate was made first. And maybe this is almost kind of like a, um, uh, like a, lucifer character where first god created this this individual who is meant to go and like do like the dirty work to be like you need to go and like tempt people and like hold them accountable and be my my hand like my justice that goes out and does these things so i think first this creature this being was was brought into the world uh slate who had this very like dark intense job it's also like old-timey uh, you know, Old Testament stuff. Yeah. That God is like super mean and angry about everything, yeah. and then he, later he kind of chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> he has this. Um, he had. They, they had. They had like a, a hard reboot. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they waited. God waited about ten years to release another book, and then when they, when they came back, he had like a ghostwriter that was a lot friendlier and it was like <laughs> more informed by modern sensibilities a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and as I'm saying this, I'm also thinking about how in um, uh, that Thor Thor Ragnarok we see similar things with um, you know. Uh, uh, Thor and Loki's elder sister who yeah. first yeah she and uh, Odin were all like oh we're all intense badasses and then later he's like you know what maybe this isn't great <laughs> I'm gonna be a bad dad and banish my daughter and then raise these two to be yeah. good little guys yeah. Uh, yeah. but so, so so this is a character that is is enforcing the will of the gods basically yes. among mortals and he is saying, oh, I, I need a little assistant to help me with this. Yeah. I need a little green fairy boy. Well, no. So I think um, <laughs> at first, since this is the first child that this god made, I think they, they worked together for a long time and everything seemed pretty chill. But then eventually, yeah, something must have happened where I think maybe the god was realized that it was dying. And it's like, I need to make, I need to pass my essence on into like another being before I go. Oh, okay. And so then it created this second character, which is going to be inspired by the Peter Pan base. Cool. Okay. So, so the Shigur inspired character is sort of the precursor. Yes. And they're kind of filtering all of their you know will into some new character that might not interpret it the same way so it's kind of this like generational gap a exactly bit, maybe. exactly cool. and there's going to be this animosity between these siblings because cool. slate like thought that he was doing a great job serving their father's purpose um but then along comes this new thing and it's kind of like when you're jealous of the new baby like your parents <laughs> love it and everything uh, and then the god, like not long after the pan characters created, which maybe I'll call them, I don't know, moss is the word that came to mind. Uh, so maybe we have slate and moss. I don't know. Okay. This may be silly. These silly names. I, but... You know what? I do. Look, everyone knows that we're bad at coming up with names, but yeah. I do like the elemental aspect of that, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe the first one when he created him, it was when the world was sort of new and plants and things hadn't really been. Right. They, they hadn't like grown or matured yet to anything that he could make stuff out of. So all he had was the stone of, of the earth and yeah. so he carved him out of stone. And mm-hmm. then, you know, millennia later, uh, he had all of this new material to work with. The earth had matured yeah. to the point that he had basically like a whole new like palette mm-hmm. of, of tools he could use to create life. And he yeah. said, well, I want to try something a little softer this time, something mm-hmm. a little more green. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. I'm also now thinking about the personality of this God. And I think at the time when he made Slate, he was kind of a young man himself and he's like a warrior. He had all this this energy that he really wanted to get out. And now when he creates 
Moss, he is an old man. Uh, he's got all this wisdom. And he's like, okay, I realize life is not about fighting and instilling justice. It's about enjoying life itself. And I think I pictured this great god, like, turning himself into kind of like an old man going down to this like river that's covered all these stones like covered in moss and I think he takes some moss from the stones and he takes some water from the river and he just kind of like I don't know maybe puts them together in his hands and when he like opens it up this kind of little flower thing like little mossy flower creature kind of comes out and then the god I think laid down and then the moss grew out of his body and that's kind of where this second child came from. Cool. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So it, it has this strong connection. Whereas the first, the first creation slate, I feel is more of a connection just to like the gods and the gods will and like what they saw the world, like what, the, what they wanted the world to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you know, millennia later, the world's had a chance to kind of grow and like life has, has, has kind of gone off and done its own thing in the world. And so now this new creation is informed by both the power of the gods and their will and the things that have grown on their own. So it's sort of this middle ground. It's it's like we have our own will and our own interests and our own rules. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the moss side of it. And sort of the stone side of it is the, this is sort of the old ways. Right. You know, the gods are still hanging on to a little bit. Yeah. That makes me think of Sam. So I think now we are left with these two siblings their their parent has just passed away and i think slate has been asking for like centuries he wants guidance from his father and he's yeah. like tell me what to do when you're gone and he's like you will know and then he died and he didn't tell him anything and he's so cool. mad about that and i think uh that anger is kind of how he's like coping with his grief is just be mad at his like his parent that has passed yeah. away without any <laughs> like you know giving him the closure he was looking for. Yeah. And or, I think or like guidance or anything. Yeah. Right. And then Moss with this kind of Peter Pan aspect is that, um, he, even though he's a child, he still has kind of this greater wisdom that he adopted from his father that he passed on where he's like, well, yes, he died, but everything has, has its season. So we shouldn't be sad or angry. We should only yeah. like go forward and do his good work. And slate is like, no, you don't understand. Like you just got here. Shut up. <laughs> like and he's just so mad about it. And so I think the story I would want to kind of create, create with these two is uh and <laughs> it's so funny i just had an image in my mind i'm like oh my god it's like brother bear we're like slate <laughs> is like trudging through the wilderness and little moss is skipping behind him and he's like you have to take me to the salmon run and he's like go away <laughs> this is what our listeners come here for is the hot brother bear references. brother bear yeah. takes yeah <laughs> um but no so i think um uh moss will stand by slate for as long as like possible uh slate will always be like go away i don't like you yeah. and he's like we're siblings yeah. we have to stick together and moss he's like, like literally starts like growing onto the side of him yes probably. Yeah. i was gonna say like yeah. if he touches him like moss starts to grow on his like rocky arms yeah. and he's like get off of me don't touch me yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh but maybe that's like what the father intended is eventually like they would kind of maybe come together and like yeah. form some new thing this this sort of okay so i think this would be a really interesting sort of I guess not a creation story although maybe tied into a little bit that there was this like old pantheon of gods they all you know maybe they spent like thousands and thousands or millions of years trying to create like this perfect life form on earth and they, they couldn't do it after like many many failed attempts all of their energy was spent until only one god was left and they created slate and moss mm-hmm. right and maybe slate was like yeah like the early prototype and then moss was when they they finally created moss they said okay I'm I'm happy with this. I think this works. And then they died. Mm-hmm. And so now these two are like wandering the earth. There's all of this, 
you know, plant life and maybe animals and stuff, but there isn't sentient life yet. Interesting. And it's their job to kind of carry on the will of the, you know, the old gods that came before them and create life now with this sort of perfect, like melding of, of the old and the new. Cool. So they have to build this sort of, you know, the sort of new pantheon of gods or this new, or, or build life so that, you know, the, the life that they create will give new life to new gods through the stories they tell or something like that. I really like this and I'm instantly getting a lot of cool visual ideas about how these two would have very different approaches to this assignment. Yeah. Because I see um, Slate thinking he's like, well, I was made from card from stone. So that's what I should do. I should like carve men out of stone. Yeah. And it's a slow process. It takes a long time. He's very detail oriented. And I think Moss is over here, like, you know, piling up some leaves and he's like, look, I made a little leafman. And, <laughs> but like it can, it can die instantly. Like it doesn't yeah. have a long lifespan. And he's like, that's a waste of energy. Like you need to make something that will last. And he's like, but no, it was beautiful when it was here. Yeah, it was it was fleeting and perfect for just a moment. And yeah. like, that perfection can't last forever. And he's like, no, we can make it last forever. Like, yeah, I think that's that's really, really cool. Yeah. I feel like the, you know, if we want to look at sort of traditional fantasy like types, I mean, you can easily sort of see how this would be kind of an interesting twist, I think, actually, on how, you know, elves are this like immortal ethereal race and they're tied in with the trees and nature and, and all things kind of organic and beautiful. But if this organic, beautiful nature race is the one that is fleeting and only lasts for, you know, like the blink of an eye of the elder races or something like that. Yeah. I think that's kind of a cool sort of subversion of that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe the, you know, when the, the leafman is created, the magic that, that spirit, like, it comes back into, into moss, you know? So they're continually trying to like find vessels to house this like magical energy that they're putting into the world and they can't find something that's like permanent enough to do it. But Mm -hmm. maybe over time, the energy itself starts to become kind of sentient. And so every time they put it into a new form, it remembers the previous one, remembers more and more of the previous one. And so they're almost like an extension of the gods. I think that would be a cool elf-like embodiment that the, the bodies of the of these elves, or these elf equivalents, Ooh. are very short-lived, but their souls are like reborn over and over and over and over again. Okay, Sam, I really like this. And another thing I want to go off of that is, so let's say in this world, there's like lots of greenery and nature, but there are no trees yet. Those don't exist. Yeah. I think moss creates them. So every time it makes one of these little leaf people, they'll live for a few minutes and then they'll fall down and they'll wither and die. Yeah, okay. Um, but then what moss and slate don't know, because they often keep walking, is that from that place where that leaf person died, a seed is planted. Oh, cool. And trees grow up from every place. And so as they're going, moss keeps creating these little people who will like be there and then kind of lay down and then be gone seemingly but they're actually sprouting a forest cool i like that i like that a lot and then yeah that obviously like creates an environment that is more conducive to like you know life as we would maybe know it in the real world like over time like this is a really really cool sort of foundation for a more traditional fantasy world like we would see in you know whatever other properties Uh, yeah i I like that this is fun okay cool slate and moss slate and moss Yeah. yeah we've gone like 30 minutes. Let's give you some creation now. Okay. All right. So the base character that I chose Mm -hmm. for, for my creation here, I wanted to pick something that was, we, we sort of talked about this. Like, should we pick things that are really, really familiar that we talk about all the time? Or should we, you know, kind of break free from that a little bit? Because pretty much all I ever want to talk about on this podcast is Dark Souls and Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Um, But um, I I think this is a topic that there's a lot of, we can get a lot of mileage out of this. And I Mm -hmm. think starting out the first round of doing this, we wanted to pick something really, really 
like like known. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to go with probably my favorite character from from any property ever. Uh, I chose Gandalf from, <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Very um, nice. So Gandalf, who needs no explanation, uh, <laughs> Mithrandir Oloran. Uh, he, <laughs> he goes by many names. Um, I was just going to say, he's like a Madonna, Gandalf. He, yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, just um, uh, an old man who has, you know, traveled uh, Middle Earth for thousands and thousands of years, like gathering lore, being an advisor to the, you know, the, the races of Middle Earth um, in service of kind of a greater, greater purpose. Um, you know, doesn't really interfere or um or like solve problems for people like on his own firsthand but he kind of gives people the tools and the knowledge that they need to solve their own problems which i think is really really cool yeah um and you know also sort of a fiery disposition he is um, <laughs> he's he's kind of impulsive and quick to anger uh mm-hmm. which i really like and when he you know when he's in a good mood he's this like sweet caring old man who just loves hobbits and wants to take care of people loves the, the people of middle earth but <laughs> if you get under his skin he's like dude you better you better watch out my man. <laughs> like, you gotta, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I chose to start. And I'm very interested to hear how you are going to force me to just bastardize <laughs> this <laughs> sweet old man. <laughs> um, so I think the character that I want to give for your inspiration, uh, cause I have been mostly just consumed by, uh, wrapping up the edit of a story that I'm writing, which mm-hmm. is based on Disney's the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the character of, uh, master Edward Gracie, who, uh, for those people not super familiar oh is, a, a man who was so distraught at the loss of his love uh, when he believed that she took her own life, that he followed her into death, hoping they would be uh, united. But lo, he was not <laughs> he reunited with her soul just yet. He found himself cursed and a ghost trapped forever on the property of his estate, waiting for 200 years until one day he sees a woman who he believes is the lady that he loves. <laughs> And he's determined to get her back to him, remind her of who she is and the love that they share. So you have this ghost man who is super in love and very lonely. But also kind of like gaslighting himself a little bit, um, <laughs> which I think is is really interesting. And I, I think that plays really well against sort of this like wisdom and knowledge of Gandalf that, you know, Gandalf is someone that can kind of look at anything and say, I know exactly what this is. I know the history of this. I know the purpose of this. Um, this person, this place, this thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward is very in the dark. Yeah, yeah. But he's also been misled by the man who he thought was his only friend, but turned out to actually be a racist who murdered his fiance. Wow. <laughs> so he's been uh, he's been gaslit by a murderous evil ghost for many many years yeah okay damn that's saruman uh, <laughs> um i think that's really neat i also think that this um this connection to like death and an afterlife or another life um is also something that plays well with gandalf obviously gandalf was um sort of it was was reborn as gandalf the white or like re-emerged as gandalf the white taking on sort of new power and new status and new um uh authority mm-hmm. uh, essentially in middle earth um which i think is really really cool so um yeah i think definitely i do want to keep the one element that i really really want to keep is this wandering sort of scholar or prophet character cool. so i think that would be kind of a cool thing to have um i i think maybe moving away from 
if I make him like a wizard or a magical character, um, I, I think I'm just making Gandalf again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I kind of want to do is I think it would be interesting if maybe this was a non-magical being of some kind that mm-hmm. was wandering the earth and somehow was like cursed with immortal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, kind of like, kind of like uh, Edward Gracie, like being cursed to like be trapped within this mansion for all of time. Like maybe there is a region where there was some unfinished quest or something that this, this character took on. Mm -hmm. They didn't finish it in their, in their, you know, normal life, but they had taken a vow to finish it. And then when they died, they came back and Mm -hmm. are, are basically doomed to wander the earth until they solve this problem that they vowed to commit their soul to solving. Very cool. Um, so your person is a ghost? I No, I think I want them to have like a physical body, okay. but I think maybe um, maybe like Beric Dondarrion style from Game of Thrones, like they can be killed, mm-hmm. um, but they they will come back. But every time they do, like a little piece of them is kind of chipped away. Like, okay. Um, so is that, you said Game of Thrones, is that the eye patch guy yes. who keeps getting brought back by his fire yes, friend? Exactly. Exactly. And I think something that would be interesting about this is like, if they were sort of a warrior character, maybe they are, maybe they're a barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time they're killed, they kind of slip more and more towards madness a little bit. Like a part of, a part of their mind is kind of broken. Like their body can be rebuilt, but their, their mind cannot necessarily. So if I may, uh, one thing that I've been playing with in my story is this idea that, um, uh, the living and the dead can get these glimpses of what is beyond uh, the mortal plane. Okay. And it's a terrifying thing to behold. And so maybe every time this person dies, they are in that plane for just a split second. Oh, yeah. And it chips away at their mental okay. state. Because they're like, that. I've seen the void and it's maddening. This is like in um, in uh, Bloodborne, this idea is kind of expressed a little bit. You have this... Um, it's sort of this like hidden resource called insight that you get it when you, when you like defeat bosses or when you do certain things and the more insight that you have, you start to see, um, through sort of the cracks in the facade of this world, which it's hard to imagine that world like being like a facade because it's hellish and awful already. Like, like Yarnum is just a terrible, miserable nightmare place to be. <laughs> um, but as you gain more insight, you start to see not only is it this like big Gothic city full of monsters and, you know, like monsters of our realm, but there are these great like eldritch beasts that are, you know, projections of the moon or of the gods that are just like lingering around, like floating around in the skies. Like, I think Spooky. that's really, really neat. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that the, this character would start to sort of hallucinate the, the visions of the afterlife Mm -hmm. in this waking life. So Sam, my question for you is what is it about this character that makes them only lose a little bit of their sanity every time they see this instead of going totally mad? Like what keeps them, what gives them that strength or that clarity? Yeah. You know, I mean, if they were a barbarian, um, in their main life, I suppose they, they have sort of a focus and an ability to control this, a, a part of their mind or a part of their body that is tied into this sort of like madness or this rage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe just through like many years of intense focus, uh, and, and like, or even like meditation or something almost, they were able to sort of contain this, this fear or this mm-hmm. like existential sort of dread within them that maybe they had already. Yeah. And every time they cross over, they're like, I do not want to go back there. Like I cannot go back there. It's um, like a barbarian monk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Um, I also, I kind of wonder if, um, 
I don't think I want them to just be a human. Maybe they kind of started as a human, but maybe another thing is every time they come back, as their mind starts to slip, they become a little more animalistic. Okay. And so they, you know, they start to, their limbs start to like elongate a little bit and they grow like hairy and they become almost like a beast man sort of like wandering the world. And so when they were alive, they probably were this almost like a noble knight type character. Mm -hmm. And every time they come back, they become a little bit more twisted and grotesque and they start to... Um, you know, take on aspects of this, you know, this like hell on the other side of the, of the veil um, that they keep catching glimpses of. I think that'd be really, really neat. And so now they're, you know, maybe their original quest was like, you know, go rescue a princess in a castle or some, you know, classically chivalrous uh, uh, duty, but now in the form that they've kind of adopted um, Mm -hmm. like, like unintentionally over hundreds of years of death and rebirth, Anytime they would walk, if they would walk into a town and say like, Hey, I'm here to save the day. People would cower in fear and like freak <laughs> out. So maybe now they're pursued by, you know, their, their own sort of, um, they, they, they have these pursuers that are like new, like warriors, new knights and paladins and people who want to go and slay this horrible beast. Interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of neat. And so if they slip too far, they'll lose all ability to complete this goal because they'll, they'll just be like you know, like exiled from society. Like they mm-hmm. won't be able to go into a shop and buy arrows or armor or whatever. They won't be able to like, you know, even if they rescue the princess, if they bring it back to the place where the princesses are supposed to be, um, well, people will freak out and say like, you kidnapped her. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Well, if they're also like gradually losing their mind as well as being like physically distorted, I mean, yeah. I think eventually they would simply forget what their quest was. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So they kind of memento style, maybe they keep a journal. And so they're always Ooh. like going through these old notes and sort of saying, okay, do I remember doing this? Was this me that wrote this? Is this real? You know, that sort of paranoia that would kind of creep in. Um, this yeah. feels very much like a Dark Souls character and <laughs> yeah. I can honestly see this individual like we're talking now like this they're the main character of their own story as everyone should be yeah. but I can easily see them being something that your party encounters where it's like what is this weird deformed beast man who's half mad and he's there and he's like holding his sword and he's like I was supposed to do something but I can't remember what it was yeah. like I'm on this quest do you know what my quest is Yeah. like so lost now like oh how tragic yeah but I, beautiful I love I think it's tragedy. you know it, it, <laughs> yeah right um, I think um, yeah I think it's really interesting that like their noble intentions were what gave rise to this like yeah this this awful sort of being um it also kind of begs the question is like is this a man who's half full with madness or half empty with madness right like like where like is there a are they able to or do other people view them as like someone that can be kind of redeemed like Mm -hmm. is this like a positive or a negative like outcome yeah. uh, available to them still. I don't know. So, cause I'm such a visual person. I'm curious when your person dies and then comes back, how do you envision that looking? Cause I've been personally picturing like this person is slain in battle yeah, and some good Samaritan comes along, finds the body is like, I'll bury you. And they do. And then maybe like a moon cycle passes. And then that person wakes up under the earth and has to dig themselves out yeah. again and again. And something like that, I, that keeps happening. I feel like I, <laughs> this is, this is, um, this is pretty, pretty scuffed. Uh, I think if they, <laughs> I think they should be able to be killed by normal means, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe maybe over time they've developed sort of a, a hardiness um, and a you know resistance to certain things. Like, you know, they're they're somewhat resistant to magic and cold and fire and things like that. Um, but if 
if they're killed and someone buries them underground and they come back to life underground, like they'll just suffocate and die, you know? So they were like, <laughs> they trapped were, yeah, in a so life death keep, cycle yeah. under the earth. <laughs> yeah. So every time they'd come back, they'd dig their way out a little bit more. They'd be like, all right, I got another six inches. I guess I'll wait till I die and come back. <laughs> that blows. I'll, I'll respawn and then we'll keep going. <laughs> Oh my God. Until eventually a friendly badger comes and digs you out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you're like, I will put the badger on my sigil and you will, you are my hero. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the badger's like, meh, meh. maybe they have an option to pick a new respawn point. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. I, I think that would be, no, I think that would be kind of interesting is like, you know, there are probably are situations where like, they've died several times in quick succession because they've died in a place that is still very dangerous. Like if they die in a battlefield or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they get you know? up and someone comes by and slices them yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that would be another thing is that they would be kind of, if you physically saw them coming back, it would be sort of bones like mending and like un- uncracking and it would be very unpleasant probably to see and certainly to experience. It's like how um, um, when Binks in uh, yeah, Hocus Pocus, <laughs> he gets run over by the bus and they're like, oh, he's dead. And then the like cat reinflates. Yeah, it's like somebody <laughs> put like a bike pump on him and like pumped him back up. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, ooh, I'm back. It's okay. <laughs> so awful. So gross. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be... I think that's another thing that kind of feeds into the madness is like this cycle of, of death and rebirth is not pleasant at oh, all. Yeah. You know, it's not a, you know, a peaceful death by old age or natural causes. It's generally because they're a, you know, a warrior wandering the wilds, like a, a gruesome and awful death. And then when they come back, that all has to reverse. So they experience it again in reverse. And so, Eesh. you know, every time they they die, they're like, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> like it's, it's tearing me apart, like from the inside. Boy, but this person's regretting the oath they took Yeah, maybe <laughs> to do this quest forever. Maybe. I'm so I'm curious then I think we should maybe talk about what this oath would have been, mm-hmm. um, because this is sort of the driving force of, of this entire character is this oath. Like what was this sacred vow that they took Mm -hmm. to, to accomplish um, before they died? Yeah. Um, well with the idea that they are like bound to, well, I guess you said they can wander the earth. So maybe there's a certain region, maybe there's like a forest that they're bound to, or there's a uh, a country or yeah. My mind's going through all kinds of things of like, well, if you want to take inspiration from Edward Gracie, it could be a matter of love. Like he maybe had a woman that he loved or a man that he loved and they were taken away from him. And he's like, I'm going to get them back. That was the oath. He's like, I will not quit until they return to me. Um, It could be a matter of like family honor and pride. Like maybe the land that they're on used to be theirs, but it was overtaken by invaders. And they said, I will get all of these invaders out of my land and I won't like rest until it's ours again or something like that. It could be a holy quest of, I will find the grail (laughs) 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 and I will not rest until I do. (laughs) Yeah. I I think these are all interesting ones. I really like the, I, I actually really like, the idea of maybe they they were from like a noble house and their family was betrayed and you know because they were they were a warrior but they were barbarian they weren't like a like a chivalric like um, a warrior that fights like a noble right mm-hmm. maybe they were a little bit kind of on the outs with their family a little bit they you know they weren't invited to all the fancy balls and things like that they said you are of our family um, but 
you, you, you aren't really one of us in the same way as like, you know, Hey, your, your sister who, you know, follows the rules of, mm. of being a part of court and of, you know, doing all the socially acceptable things that a person in this family is supposed to do. Right. They're like barbarian. If you would only cut your hair yeah. <laughs> and take that nail polish off, take we'd a, let you come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, this is who I am. And honestly shower for once. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think, um, I think it would be kind of cool to see maybe they have sort of a chip on their shoulder because of that. Mm -hmm. And they always wanted to get back into their family's good graces, but this was kind of the only way that they knew how to, how to fight. And then one day their family is betrayed by maybe a close advisor. Their line is, is severed Mm -hmm. and they're the only one remaining. And so they said, I will, I, I vow revenge upon the, you know, the horrible, uh, the, the interlopers who came and betrayed my family. They came to our home in times of peace and they slaughtered everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I will, I will get revenge on them. And so now like hundreds and hundreds of years later, maybe that family's been wiped out too. And they have to find like the last piece of that bloodline and say like, will I kill this person who is, you know, 20 generations separated from this? Or, you know, I, I think that's kind of an interesting moral conundrum. Like maybe they meet that person and they see, okay, they understand what their ancestors did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can be kind of put to rest now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cool outcomes to that. Yeah. I think, because um, uh, I was going to say, eventually, like, all these people aren't, the likelihood that they're all, like, corrupt, evil uh, warriors and such that he's, like, constantly fighting. I mean, some of them are going to be, like, little kids yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. humble bookkeepers and <laughs> who knows what spice. <laughs> exactly. So, like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that would be interesting. Maybe your guy, when he still had enough sanity or clarity, he thought of this and he's like, you know what? I'm going to have two options for the people that I find. Like, yeah. I'll either be like, okay, you either need to, like, make amends to me, like, pay tribute or apologize in some gesture that I deem worthy, yeah. or you must fight me in combat uh, yeah. or something like that. And that's maybe why the battle keeps going because so many people are like, you're freaky, go away, I'm going to get you killed. I like that, that there's, yeah, that there are a certain number of of like descendants in this family that they have to make peace with and whatever that peace means is, you know, is like different. And I, I wonder if maybe, um, I wonder if the, the clarity they have kind of comes in waves, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll have like 50 years where they're just in like a barbaric rage for 50 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of come down from it and they say, boy, I hope I don't, I hope I didn't do anything too, too rough in that last couple of decades. Like, well, I have no that idea. Was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and I think that could be kind of an interesting thing is every person that they make amends with, it brings back sort of a piece of their mind. They regain nice. some of that clarity. And at the end, they either have this realization that, oh, cool, I did the right thing. I solved this peacefully. Or they have this horrible realization that the weight of all the terrible things they did to this family yeah. suddenly like crushes them. Yeah. You know? um, I think that would be a really, really cool, you know, if, if you gave a character like this to a player. Mm-hmm. And said, you know, light, choose light or dark. <laughs> like, what yeah. path do you want to follow with this? It'd be really fun. Totally. I also like the idea, and maybe this is a bit too complicated, but, you know, if this warrior monster, you know, came to one of these descendants and gave them that choice and the person decided to be like, I'm sorry that my family did this to you. I, like, 
make amends, make this tribute yeah. or whatever. Uh, and so he's like, great, you will always now be an ally of mine and I will help you if you need it or whatever. But uh, I like the idea that maybe that person then like if this, our main character is like killed in battle yeah. and gets buried, they're like, I'm going to go dig him up. Oh, I love that. And that could yeah. be sort of like a secondary lineage that's passed down. Like I, I picture it being, you know, this lady. And then when she has a daughter or a son, they she's all become like, like grave tenders. Gra- exactly. Whatever, yeah. They're like, this creature will be slain at some point and you yeah. need to go and dig him up. This is very, it's very Dark Souls. It's very like the the Emerald Maiden or the Fire Keepers that they're basically the 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 keepers of this cycle of, yeah. of rebirth. Like they're mm-hmm. the ones that sort of bring you back and kind of put you back together and send you back out there. I think that's really, really neat. Yeah. Um, because yeah. then again, yeah. this family not line is now kind of divided. There are these two halves of like the ones who continue to seek like ill will towards the creature and yeah. the other half that's like no we must make amends with it yeah otherwise yeah. this will never end i like yeah. this a lot yeah oh cool okay okay uh let's let's go ahead then and put a pin in that i think that's mm-hmm. a really really fun <laughs> start to let's let's make this a series i think this yeah, we can I'm do gonna, a couple episodes like this this is fun i want to take these two creations i'm going to file them away and uh, a job well done <laughs> slamming that Absolutely. file cabinet shut yeah we have another file cabinet but we don't we don't talk about that file cabinet no yeah. we delete all those episodes yeah, exactly. you never hear them yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we burn the file cabinet yes exactly the digital file <laughs> file cabinet um i i think this is a good place to stop either way so Mm -hmm. let's let's go ahead and step on over into the next little uh much less messy room hey rec room hello rec room um and this week we got a recommendation can you guess what it is (gasps) i bet you can oh Uh, well it's hades town hades town we talked about you should go watch and Uh, elden ring but also elden ring (laughs) hey (laughs) yeah um hades town obviously we've talked about it before on the show but you know we saw it this weekend uh it's really good go listen to it um it's it's wonderful that's all i'm gonna say about it yeah that's it uh the other one elden ring um it's great it's dark souls uh but all the things about dark souls that probably annoy you they made them a little bit better Mm -hmm. uh it's it's great um it's a big open world there's a lot of really cool exploration it it scratches a lot of itches like i i feel like it's a similar step forward as breath of the wild was for zelda games where Mm -hmm. it just opens things up and it gives you more options Mm -hmm. and i think dark souls is already a series where you have a lot of options and a lot of ability to um progress in different directions at, at any given time and i think there's much more um like tangible reward for doing so there's tons of cool optional side bosses and almost it almost feels like randomly generated content but it's not yeah um that's out there and you know you can go into some random dungeon and kill a random boss and you'll get a cool sword that actually is you know might be really really good it isn't just like junk that you're finding as kind of like a like a pittance for right for solving this this little puzzle yeah um so yeah go check it out it's all the things that you love and or hate about dark souls um <laughs> that's that's really all there is to say about it yeah so thank you guys for joining us for another awesome episode um if you want if you have your own ideas of characters that you think would be cool uh sources for inspiration for yeah. future mashups yeah you can send them to us uh worldforgepod at gmail.com but also on twitter we are at worldforgepod absolutely uh, so send us your ideas and we will yeah. we'll do something with it i think this would be a really easy one to do a uh, really easy and really fun one to do with listener prompts yeah like we can take your characters like you know i would get a character from somebody and then you would give me something to to 
you know, give it a little twist. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to do that. So, uh, please consider <laughs> doing that. Uh, if you want to find other ways to support, to, to support the show, support, um, ship <laughs> <laughs> the passion of the night. Um, <laughs> if you want to find other ways to support the show, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend. Uh, if you have, uh, a DM or a player that you think uh, would enjoy our show that could do with a little bit of inspiration, uh, send them our way. Or if you want to leave a five-star review and a nice little comment on your podcasting app of choice, that goes a long way to help get our show in front of new listeners. Um, it also just makes our day. And if you leave an especially nice comment, we'll, we'll consider reading it on air for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's where we're leaving you today. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope you all... We're doing great out there. Uh, spring is sprung. Is sprung, yeah, it's here. <laughs> if you're in the northern hemisphere with us, I was at gonna least. say it's um, sunny outside. We're gonna go and, and yeah. look at it from out our through our windows. Absolutely. So <laughs> we will be back uh, another time with mm-hmm. another topic. Yes. Uh, we will see you later, you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>